Get ready, Avalanche territory. It's now time for the Mile High Hockey Podcast with Mike Evans on your home for the most Avalanche content. Denver Sports Station, 104.3 The Fan. Hey everyone, welcome into the Mile High Hockey Podcast, presented by our friends at TNT Home Services. During this, the month of July, they have some uh, great specials for them to come out and make sure your outlets at your home, your electrical panel, and all the things that you need to enjoy a fun summer, a cool summer, is going to happen for you. You can reach out to them at 720-500-1979 or com. As we, uh, well, I, I don't, I actually, I don't know the schedule. I, I anticipate that we'll be doing the Mile High Hockey Podcast throughout the summer. Why not? Because there figured to be a lot of still news being made by the Stanley Cup champions as we roll along throughout the summer. But I could think of no better person to have with me than the guy that uh, we spent, boy, we spent a lot of time over yeah. the last couple of months, haven't no, we? No uh, the one and only Matt Smith joins me now. How you doing? I'm doing good, Mike. How are you doing after yesterday? Whew, that parade was awesome. I, you know, it's funny because I was saying as the veteran parade viewer, I said to people, hey, if you go to this parade and it's your first ever parade, man, it is going to be a a moment you never forget. Matt, I've been to a lot of championship parades. This was maybe the best one I've ever been to. That was my first championship parade, and I thought it was just unbelievable. I mean, I'll never forget yesterday. That That was a really special day. I just thought the community aspect, I think that's what I got swept away in. And I think throughout this playoffs, that's been one of the coolest parts is just seeing everybody come together and embrace this team and embrace the sport. And for me, Mike, I I, I was thrilled to see yesterday, see all sorts of different demographics come out. You saw so many kids, you know, not just 10 and under, you saw 20 somethings and, and to grow your sport with that type of support is just so crucial. And we know the NHL has needed that. So I think it was just an unbelievable day. It rained, Mike, but that nobody blinked, and 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 the players were just awesome. And I think one of the coolest things, and I said this to Stoke and Zach after the speeches yesterday, was I think yesterday proved more than anything just how good of a team this is. Like th- these are great guys; they're so easy to root for. Sometimes teams aren't as easy to root for, but everybody. Just so many great individual stories, and yesterday was the perfect culmination of an incredible run and. And we as a city deserved it, and they deserved it as a team. What did you make of Bednar's emotional Oh, that speech? was amazing. Just waffled. Bedsy was buckled yesterday. One of those sentimental drunks, you know, where you just start talking about your boys and getting nostalgic, and you start running through things. And, you know, they start. No, I loved it, man, because Bednar's so stoic. Yeah. You know, that's the thing. He's so buttoned down all the time. All the time. And I, I, I loved it. I loved to see it. Obviously, it was hard to hear. You know, when you were in person, I'm sure it was better on TV. I need to see the TV broadcast, but I thought it was great. You could just tell how much I, I, I felt like immediately after the cup, it hadn't sank in for him yet. And I felt like yesterday when he was talking about the players and talking about his family, it really started to sink in for him. And actually this morning I was looking on Twitter and there was the best photo. I don't know who to credit, but it's a Bednar and Sackick and Bednar smoking a cigar on the fire truck. And it's just. Good for Bedsy. I mean, that's a guy who's earned everything he's gotten in his professional career. And again, another person who's just so easy to root for. Well, I I thought about it and think about what these last several years have been like for him. You're hired with the idea that you're just here to take a bunch of losses. Right. 
And then once they start to turn the corner, they're going to bring in another coach. Right. Right. So right. That's, that's how you start this job. Then it looks like you're going to be able to hold on to it for a while. But then you have three straight second round playoff flops. Yeah. Culminating with the worst of them all. Right. Against Vegas. And you're wondering, am I going to survive this? And then you go into the season, this season, with the understanding that if you don't at least get to the Western Conference Finals, at least you're probably gone. And then throughout all of this, you're just maintaining this even-keeled, calm, we're good, I know this team, I trust this team. And to put out that kind of a public face day after day after day, when you know that there's real emotions roiling beneath the surface, I just think in a moment like that, it's easy for once that once once the dam's in the crack, right. or once the cracks Cracks in the, the dam, dam start right. to, then it doesn't take long before that thing is just bursting through. And, I, and we saw it, and I loved it. I loved it because you know what? When you when you're around sports long enough, you're always like, boy, I wish these I wish these sports figures, athletes, and coaches, I wish they'd be more real, you know. And then when they're real, some people are like, oh, that's a little bit too real. For right, me. Right. I loved it. Yeah, oh, I loved it. I absolutely loved it. I mean, Bednar, Jared Bednar. Right. You know, this guy is Does so— Does cry? Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I think we're really lucky to have a guy like him. Yeah. And my only concern heading into the year was, could he make adjustments in-game? Because I felt like that's what hampered them against Vegas. And could he get the guys ready to go from the jump? Because if you'll remember last season, one of the things we— were concerned about was their slow starts. They they could not come out of the gate fast, and they solved every single coaching issue. And I felt like the longest it took him throughout this playoff series to adjust was one day. They made adjustments between Game 2 and Game 3, the Lightning did. The Avs could not adjust during Game 3. They bounced back one Game 4 on a road. Tampa came into Denver, made adjustments. Denver couldn't adjust. Game 6 took care of business. And, you know, I, I think we kind of look back on it and maybe 10, 15 years down the line, we'll, we'll be thinking, wow, there were 16 and four and they dominated. Right. But in the moment, yep. in the micro, yep. this team faced adversity and there were definitely some hills they had to climb. And when I look at what Sackick did at the deadline in combination with how much better I felt like the coaching staff performed this year. They had all the pieces in place, and I think that's why after the trade deadline, that's when it truly became cup or bust. Like that, it, it was already, but after Sackick made those moves to get Lekkonen and Manson and Cogliano and Sturm, then you said, all right, they have no choice now. They've got everything. If they lose, it's because of injuries or it's because they beat themselves. Right. And there were some times during this playoff run, Mike, where there were some self-inflicted mistakes that cost them in crucial situations. But at the end of the but day... they learned from them so quickly, And right? that's the key. Yeah. That's the key. Yeah, and that, that's a testament to the coaching. It's a testament to the players to be able to, to self-correct along the way. Matt Smith joining me here on the Mile High Hockey Podcast. So we've, we've spent a lot of time basking in the glow, but... Um, Let's start looking ahead. Oh, man. I know. Oh, oh, are I we know. there and yet? I, the parade's I, over. Well, huh? I made it a point. <laughs> I made it a point to just steer clear of any conversations involving players and changes because I just, I just didn't think it was fair to the guys that were here. Right. Let them enjoy their moment, right. right, before we start talking about, you know, potential changes for next year. 
Well, the parade's done. Yeah. Time to get down to business. <laughs> yeah. Okay? Okay, because yeah. it won't be long no. before camp opens and, you know, they're it's back It's like 110 it. days or something okay. like that. It's, yeah. It's before gonna, the puck drops. Before the puck drops, right? So yeah. it's going to come fast, right? Yeah. All right, let's start talking about some guys. Um, you and I have done this podcast many times throughout the course of the season, and our belief was always Nazem Kadri would not be brought back, that the price tag for Kadri would be too expensive. And that with his age and some other guys that you want to re-sign, it probably just doesn't make sense. Well, do you still feel that way after what you just witnessed during this playoff run? So I think this is how we should preface this conversation. Hockey players, because they don't make really large dollar values in comparison to the other pro sports, they want term. So they want longer deals, right? And so for a cadre... He's 31 now, I think. He'll be 32 next season. There you go. 32 next season. And so if you are to offer him what we expect Nas to request, which would be a five-year deal, then you're paying Nas what you would be paying him at 32 years old at 37, 38. And so that's that's a concern. However, as I've been the last few days kind of thinking about what the next few seasons are going to look like and how do you take this team that was so dominant this year and replicate it over the next five seasons, whether or not that culminates in actual championships, at least being competitive and making deep runs. As I was looking over the UFA center list for next season, it is not very long. It involves... Claude Giroux, which that chapter is closed. I wouldn't want him here anyway, quite frankly. I was really turned off on how he handled things at the deadline. And I think they were too. And he doesn't want to be here, so that won't happen. The other one is Evgeny Malkin, which yep. that's not going to happen. Uh, Malkin is going to command at least $7 million, and he's not worth that right now. Um, and not only that, Pittsburgh's going to do whatever they can to keep that together for one more year although they have to retain Latang and Malkin. So we'll see how what happens there. So, again, for me, where Nas, I felt like, was out of their price range, I almost feel like they don't have a choice, and they have to find a way to bring him back because there's no great options. And, and I think he really ingratiated himself the back half of the season in a different way, and it proved it yesterday at Civic Center Park. He he got an unbelievable reception. The fan base absolutely loves him. But for Kadri, I think you're going to have to take somewhat of a discount compared to what you might get at other places. Now, this is going to be his last big deal of his career, so we'll see if that happens. But if I'm Joe Sackick, does seven by five, you know, seven million over five years – Meaning you would pay Nazem Kadri seven million in his age thirty seven season sound reasonable, or do you sign him to that deal and then three years down the line reevaluate and look to move him? It's tough, Mike. It's That's tough, a tough one. But I've done a one eighty on Naz because he did prove reliable, and he proved clutch. He proved to be a, a real heartbeat guy. Proved to be a tough sob too. And I'll tell you what. You know what? It it not everybody is built and wired to be able to handle the Stanley Cup playoffs and come up big in the big moments. Not everybody can do it. It's not just because you're an NHL player. Everybody can do it. It takes some special players made of the right stuff to be able to do it. And I think when you find one of those guys, you got to be really, really careful about letting that kind of guy go. 
And I understand that any deal that you sign Kadri to probably won't age that well right at the back end. But while I think the Avalanche are set up to have a long run of of being a, a championship contender, they are in a championship window right now. Yeah. And to me, if you're looking at doing a five-year deal with Kadri, and I know that for the first three years of that deal, he's going to be what we just witnessed. Do this- we know? And, and let me just interrupt real briefly. I agree, except for the fact that we have to remember, this was his career year by a landslide. Right. Like he more than doubled his so overall points. That- I'm, I'm just saying, I think that's something you have to consider because you have to – that's betting that a guy, and I'm not saying that he won't be able to right. accomplish it, but you're betting that a guy at age 31 who had his best year of his career is going to be able to replicate right. that type of performance. And it's and, a gamble. And it's, it's a gamble. Not the fir- and he wouldn't be the first guy to just have an amazing year in a contract year and then flame sort of out. fade, yeah. sort of flame out. So that's what they got to decide. I, I would take the chance. I would take the chance because this guy, and, and, and you're going to continue to have him surrounded by really good players. So his, right. his production should stay at a high level. And and maybe even the regular season production maybe won't be the same that it was this year. But then I'll know that come playoff time what this guy's next gear is and how it can be really impactful in, in winning. It sounds like you're a little bit less bullish on the idea than I am. It's not that. It's that when you look at the entire picture here, the Avs have an entire line that's UFA, and it's their second line. That means Nachushkin and Burakovsky. Remember, that's how we started the season right. with those guys as the, as the second line. And obviously things changed, but there's a lot of pieces that you're going to have to replace. A lot of starters in your lineup mm-hmm. that played every day right. that you have to replace. So. You're going to have to find a way to make the money work. And as of right now, the Avs have $25.8 million in cap space, I believe, projected for this offseason. And that's before a possible Sam Girard move, which would clear $5 million, which I think is on the table yeah. assuredly. Yeah. So, I mean, it's interesting. But and factor we- against that, a possible mammoth Nathan McKinnon extension. Can we talk about that for a second? I think that's a good thing to bring up. So McKinnon has the option. He took a massive hometown discount yep. when he signed his last yep. contract. He now has the option. Do you go out and ask the Avs for 12 million? Nathan McKinnon's worth whatever he asks, yes. first of all. If he goes out and asks $12 million, they'll pay him $12 Done. Million. Done. But the problem is, is if he asks for $12 million, that's going to handcuff them. It will. Eventually, it may not be next year, but the year after, it, it will. There, there will be a piece that they won't be able to add because that extra $3 million that they would have to pay him is going to go to McKinnon rather than to help them get another piece. And so Rantanen's at 925, Kale's at 9, Gabe's at 7, and Nate's at 6 right now. If I were Nate and I wanted to compete and make the most out of my career, I would ask them for 9. I would ask them for the same numbers that Kale and Miko got. I would take that discount because I think – even though I could get twelve, even though I could get twelve, else. but Nate's the three. Oh, well, okay, I no, know. But, no, no, no. But my point is, is I think that for Nate, he's going to have to weigh whether or not that extra three million dollars a year in salary he can't recoup in other places. And if he's a Stanley Cup champion multiple times and becomes one of the face of one of the faces of the NHL as this older generation in Crosby and Ovechkin starts to fade, mm-hmm. then I think it could be worth it. So for me, if I were Nate, I'd ask for nine. But I'm not Nate, and I don't have the option of getting three more million. Boy, that's you're you're that's just me boy that's that would be taking one for the team my goodness because you'd be talking about 
him being able to command probably what an eight-year deal yeah for sure all right so eight at nine is 72 eight 12 is 96 mm-hmm. yeah i know that's 25 million i know i know and now, look i could now, be wrong and that's $25 million, and, and I know. it would be, and if I'm, if I'm Nate's people, I'm like, hey, it's not your job to run the Avalanche's cap, okay? And plus, there'd be a lot of pressure from the players' union for him to go out and set a new bar. Uh, well, I, maybe Tell also— Tell him to kick rocks, Nate. That's well, right. that'd be, uh, that would be amazing. <laughs> right. But he, uh, he's been playing on one of the most team-friendly deals— Oh, in all in, sports. In all sports. Right. So does he want to continue to play on a team? Maybe. Maybe. Maybe that's what this guy's made of. Maybe that's the stuff that this guy's made of. And if that's gr- if that's the case, great. Do you actually you mentioned Crosby because they're good buddies. Has mm-hmm. Crosby ever been a He's a UFA mar- next year. I know, but has he ever been a set the market type guy? Or is not he... really. Not really. Because he it, might be yeah. his his pay history might be fun to uh huh. Yeah, look well, at. I don't know it off yeah, the I don't top of my head. Do I. But We're... but truthfully, I think it comes down to this for Nate. It's like, do you either want to be bona fide one of the best teams in the league, or do you want to have to take more responsibility to make you guys right. one of the best teams in the league? And if I were Nate at this point in my career, after already having won a cup, I could understand taking the extra twenty five million dollars. But I think I don't know, Mike. I I think it would be a mistake for him to take it. I do, I, I and I understand. Well, I, I wouldn't begrudge him. No, I wouldn't begrudge him, but I think it would be a mistake for him to take it because I think his career could be way more fruitful if he's able to. Because think about this. You have to pay. you got to replace Manson. you got to replace uh, Jack Johnson. you got to replace uh, Burakovsky, Nachushkin, Kadri. you got to replace Darcy. Darcy, yep. I'm just saying that's so many pieces that they have to replace, and 25-8 is not a lot of money to do that with. Well, let's play a little game here, Yeah. okay? Uh, Should he stay or should he go, okay? Yeah. I'm going to give you a name, and you tell me if he's here next year. Okay. All right? Yeah. Josh Manson. I don't think he wants to be. I've heard several different reports that he's even willing to take a hometown discount back to Anaheim. He's got a really? y- he's got a young daughter and a pretty young wife that I think they're all from you know all Cali kids and I think they want to be back there. Um, quite frankly, I think he's going to get a massive contract offered to him. And honestly, he, I think that's the way, they hold on, can hold on. find he doesn't that want elsewhere. To be here? That's what I've heard. Several different places. That this hasn't been the experience he thought it would be? I don't know if it's that, that he won his cup, and that for the rest of his career he'd rather be back in California. And I think okay. for, I, that's what I've heard. And and so for me, I'm going to go no on Josh Manson. All right. I, I thought no just for a different reason, that he's going to get an offer from Anaheim right. to come back. I know that uh, Boston's got him on uh, their oh, radar. So he's, he he'll to, get he offers from half the league. Yeah. Uh, for college there, so the idea of maybe a homecoming there. Um, okay, all right. So we I, we're both in agreement. I don't think Josh Manson is back, uh, which isn't to say that he wasn't really impactful. Oh, he did a great job. No, these are all guys yeah. that we're talking about that were huge parts. Yeah, it would be a, a, a loss to lose them. So, yeah. all right, we both think Josh Manson is uh, gone. Uh, all right, Andre Burakovsky. No way. I yeah. I packed up the moving truck already. Well, He's headed were, to the airport. Well, you were doing that in January. <laughs> okay, so yeah, I just you know, look. No, I mean, can, I, I think you can find that elsewhere. And more yeah. than anything, Oscar Olison, who was their first round draft pick this year, they took at twenty first overall. Absolutely tore up the OHL this year. He's yeah. a goal scorer with a wicked shot. I can't wait to see him play with yeah, the big league club next year. Yeah, let's not forget the Avalanche still have some nice pieces in the pipeline that you want to start to 
you know, layer in with this this roster. But as far as like guys who are ready, Olison is the only one I think that could actually make the legitimate jump to the starting lineup next year. So I, I've always factored that Oscar Olison was their Burakovsky replacement, and right off the bat, that saves you five million. Okay, well, uh, he's not a free agent, but since we're talking about money, Sammy Gerard. That's that, that's where it gets complicated because if you lose Manson and you lose Jack Johnson, that's two of your top six defensemen. And, well, arguably. But Jack Johnson, for the most part, all season long, played what equated to top four minutes defensively. Um, I'd move him. I think Bo Byram's ready. I think Bo, Bry- Bo Byram brings you more. And you have to remember, Sam's on a five-by-five. Five, so he's under five years at $5 million. Some team is going to see him and say, let's bring him in here to quarterback our power play, and the Avs will get great value for him. Yeah. So for me, I just we've seen the struggles of Gerard, and I think he had some nice moments in the postseason, but not enough to be like, oh, he's got it figured right, out. Right. You know, you'll never be able to overcome his size, and if you already have one slight defenseman in Byram, Byram knows how to play physical. So for me, I would trade him and and take that $5 million and then maybe pay Nate a little bit more and then maybe have more to retain Kadri and one of the big names we haven't even gotten to yet. All right, let's get to Nechuskin. So I heard at least Mike Chambers came on with the drive last week and reported that he is going to test free agency and that what he wants the Avs aren't prepared to give him, which was a little bit of a surprise to me only because I thought, considering his history and how well he's fit in here and the fact that he's not really a uh, – I don't think social life matters to him in that regard. You know, I think he's more of a, a low-key guy being from Russia, and I think he's found a home here. But his market value, according to The Athletic, for how he performed, is well over that of a $10 million a year player with what he's contributed. I think he can be a legitimate top-six forward in the league. And making teams, ten million per—that's what the athletics—that's what the athletics numbers. Wow, I was thinking, hey, you know, he could be one of those so th- five-year so, twenty-five guys. So that's what his market value was per his numbers this season. Right. I don't know if he's going to command ten right. million, but he's going to command seven to eight. The, the 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 comp I look at is Tomas Hurdle, who just went back to San Jose at eight by eight. I think that contract for Val would make a lot of sense. And if you're another team who wanted a really big, hard-hitting animal on the forecheck who could score 20 goals a year, I mean, that's that's a really rare thing. Again, for me, he'd be on the top of my list to mm-hmm. bring back. But if he wants, you know, eight a year, that's going to make things really hard. For Val, I think the Avs max offer is probably six and a half. All right, so if you had to choose between Kadri or Nechuskin, oh. one of the two. And you let the other one walk, because I don't. I don't see how you bring them both back. If if you, if you're anywhere close to the kind of numbers that, unless you move Gerard, I wonder if you could. Well, okay. That that would be the only. That'd be the only caveat. Gosh, I just think Val represents so much more potential, but there's not going to be a great option at second line center. And we saw how important Kadri was, mm-hmm. even coming back with a broken thumb. So. Probably Kadri, yeah. But you absolutely hate to lose. I, they're they they are your two number one priorities. Yes. through trades or free agency, yes. I wouldn't. They, I would start there, and yep. then we'll figure everything else All right. out. All right. So we'd love to. We 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 we'd love to try to get those two back. It's like Sophie's choice. Ready I mean, to move on from Manson, Burakovsky, Gerard in a trade, Darcy Kemper. 
So Darcy's interesting. When you look at the free agent goalie list for this summer, it's really weak. Marc-Andre Fleury is the only other name that I think the Avalanche would even remotely consider. And his questions about stability and uh, um, endurance over an 82-game season I think are fair to question. He hasn't been a number one goaltender in a few years. He's been a part of a, a committee. And he's, what, 40 now, I want to say? So do you want Fleury and, Fr- and Frankie? Right. Is that is that going to be your combo? And I think it could be. I know Flurry only wants to play for a contender. Right. And so that would probably be his preference. However, Darcy's going to command like five years, six million dollars. Mm-hmm. That's what's gold. Goaltending is like quarter. We've heard this goaltending quarterback comparison a lot where the position and their importance to the team aren't necessarily translatable as far as across the sports. But as far as teams being quarterback hungry or goalie hungry, they are because there's just not a lot of those guys. You look at a bunch of teams, I bet you Toronto will will offer Darcy Kemper a big deal. I could see Edmonton offering Darcy Kemper a big deal. I mean, go down the list. There's tons of them. So I don't think the Avalanche would be comfortable whatsoever paying Darcy Kemper over the next five years. I don't think they should. Uh, Now, you you go then at the idea of maybe Flurry as a rental. You know, for a year. Yeah. Or you give Frankie the opportunity, or you've done it two years in a row now. Is there a Grubauer or a Francois that you can trade for? That's the, and see, that's that would be the question, is do you go get Carey Price? I've heard people talk about Carey Price in Montreal. He had trouble coming back, obviously very well-documented mental health issues that he had to take time away from the game and deal with. I, I don't want to make that deal. He's still got a ridiculous contract right. that there's no way out of unless Montreal retains a significant portion, which they won't ever We're do We're talking that. about a young veteran who hasn't really been given the opportunity to really show whether opportunity or injuries or whatever that you think there's something there to bet on. You, you did it with right. Grubauer. You did it with Kemper. Is there is there that kind of goalie out there right now who's in a situation where the team will look at and say, yeah, th- this is a guy that we're prepared to let go and we're and get something for. Yeah. You know, we got another, we had a young kid coming up that we're really high on, so we're ready to let this younger veteran go, and we'll trade with the Avalanche and get something in return because I- they see something in him. I don't know. I, I, I you know, I, know I look at that UFA list. Thomas Grice was in Detroit this year. Didn't have a great year, but no one but did in about, Detroit. I'm not talking about unrestricted free agents. I'm talking about guys who are under contract right contracts. now. Contracts, maybe not a lot of le- years left on their contract. I know it's a tough one. No, you know, for right me, for me, I, I there isn't anyone that jumps off the page, and that is a good and a bad thing because it's a good thing, Mike, because a. I don't think there's going to be really a ton of chatter for one guy in particular w- unless he's actually publicly made available. Mm-hmm. But I think it's it's a bad thing because it's an unknown and unproven. But if there was one department you could trust, it's the Avalanche scouting department, and I think they proved it at the trade deadline. Up until the trade deadline, and people like to talk about, look, Joe Sack has done an amazing job building this team. We have to remember, and and just to be real here, Sackick faltered at the last three trade deadlines like faltered last year was last year you could make the argument that the inactivity at the trade deadline cost them the cup last year I think you could actually make that argument because think about who they brought in they brought in Patrick Nemeth and Carl Soderberg like that's imagine 
if they had added those two guys, how much we would have buried him this year. Yeah. I mean, buried him. I And so, again. Hey, lessons learned. Lessons learned. Lessons, lessons yeah. learned. And he knew he had to go all in this year. So, as far as goaltender goes, I'm very curious to see what happens. Uh, of course, it came out that Kemper had to go to the ophthalmologist two to three times a day after the stick from Ryan Johansson in the Nashville series. To retrain series. his eye. To retrain his eye. Jeez. Like, that's how much confidence. So I don't think that Fra- – I think we can just completely take off the Frankie as a starter okay. because if, if if that was a possibility, they would have probably went with him. What are they? What are you hearing about Ananen? I know that they like him, but I know he's just like three or four years away. Like, I, I don't think he's that ready wrong. at all. Okay. I just I, – I, maybe two to three, maybe four years is right. too long. But, but to turn over a Stanley Cup when he I wouldn't. Him. I wouldn't based upon what I've seen, and I wouldn't even make him the backup option to the point where if he had an injury to the starting goaltender, he's your guy. I wouldn't do it, Mike. Mm-hmm. I just wouldn't do it. I don't think you can try. It's like putting cheap motor oil in a Ferrari. Yeah. Right? You know what I mean? Like, would you would you really want to do that? So I think it comes down to this for me. I, I loved what Darcy did, and I thought he showed a, a lot of toughness. Um, when, hey, when he proved of, us wrong. When a lot of people were writing him off, you and me included. Yeah. That said, we have done, I think, a very good job of laying out salary constraints that the Avs have and what they're facing and who they can spend their money on. And I just don't think it makes sense after you just won a Stanley Cup with statistically average goaltending, you proved you could do it. I don't think it makes sense to commit five years, $25, $30 million to Darcy Kemper when you can uh, go out and either find a, a veteran on a, on a cheaper one-year, two-year rental-type deal or, again – Go out and make the kind of trades and bring in your Grubauer or your Kemper with the idea that we see something in this guy, put him in this organization with this team, and he can go win a cup for us. There are four other guys I wanted to talk about. Man, uh, not Manson, uh, Cogliano, Helm, Eric Johnson, and Jack Johnson. I think all four of those I think are Eric Johnson retires. No, I don't. I think he plays for one more year. Okay. Because I think... In the immediate aftermath of that cup, the Avs believe that they can run it back next year, which yeah. why should they not believe exactly. that? And I think Eric Johnson is just a really – you know, I've always been a big EJ guy. Really, whenever he's been healthy, he's been a really good hockey player. Mm-hmm. I think he's made some mistakes here and there in his career, but at the very same time, his uh, you saw how much they missed him last year this season when mm-hmm. he was healthy. And I think he's a really big character guy for the locker room. I think he's a great leader. I think he's a good player. I just I, I, I think he's physically he led the team in hits in the regular season. For me, EJ's a no brainer. He's coming back. And I do think he has one more year left on his deal, so that works out fine. Jack Johnson made the team on a PTO and played primarily top four minutes all year. Did he look slow at some time? Sure. But physically in their own end, I, when Gerard went out, they got better defensively, and it, you saw it again in the playoffs. He was much better than Gerard behind their own net and, and didn't turn the puck over as, mu- as much defensively. And with how talented they are at other positions, you know, especially on the defense with Byram and Taze and Makar, they don't need that. You know, right. they they don't right. need that anymore. And and you need the defense. And so, Jack Johnson's interesting. I think you. There, I was looking at the UFA defenseman list, and there are some other names on there that I like. And so I, I think probably you look at other options. But again, I think he's like the Demarcus Cousins of of the Avalanche for the Nuggets, where it's like, okay, you're our backup plan. If we can't figure out a better option that we feel is going to better suit us, we have your number, and we appreciate it. We got you our cup. Thank you. Yeah. 
And if Jack Johnson will get a contract next year somewhere, sure, that'll happen. Sure. So he was almost out of the league, you know, and and that'll happen. As far as Helm and Cogliano, those guys I'd have automatic one year deals for. Yes. Tomorrow. Yeah. Like the, team friendly, and one-year maybe deals. even two, maybe even two with a team option for a second. Yeah. Maybe even two. Sure. I. I those guys earned it. Darren Helm led the playoffs and hits at a million dollars. What an incredible value on that signing in this offseason yep. for Darren Helm. And Cogliano for a fifth-round pick, I'm blown away by what he added. Blown away. I mean, he was a he was a heartbeat of that team by the end. I mean, you want to talk about a glue guy who laid it all out there and showed the younger guys what it takes to get this thing over the finish line. No better example than, you know, coming back and playing with the broken hand that he had operated on a week before. And then in game six, takes a massive shot off the shin, has to, like, crawl off the ice and is on the bench writhing in pain. And we learned that the night before, he was the leader yep. in the in the team meeting where he got up and spoke, and there wasn't a dry eye in the room. Yeah. So for me, auto auto one year deals for those two guys. Nico Sturm, I think, is a cheap option you can bring back. Lekkinen is an RFA that you have to extend. He's a he's a part of your future. Yeah. That guy is an awesome addition. Fits the identity. Love Lekkinen. So we're talking about running it back and and perhaps losing a couple veterans, but you know, still the the core of this team. Is are there young players knocking on the door that you have to make room for, and young players that are here that deserve an expanded role, maybe at the expense of some of these veterans that we're talking about? It's you know Alex Newhook deserves more, Logan O'Connor deserves more. Um, are there others? You mentioned Olison. Is he at a point where it's it's his time to come in and bump aside uh, a veteran? Uh, are there yeah. any others that are in the pipeline that are, are that you think are ready to perhaps uh, make a push for next season? Not a ton. Oscar Olison, absolutely, no question about it. Newhook and um, O'Connor are interesting. I think Alex Newhook started really well last year. After you, know, well. He, he didn't start great, but when they brought him back up from the Eagles, they sent him down there for cap re- reasoning. But the, when they brought him back up, he actually had a really nice middle stretch of the season. Tailed off a bit at the end, wasn't, you know, was in and out of the lineup in the playoffs. I don't think he's proved enough yet to really say Alex Newhook deserves more. He is penciled into the third line for me for next season. Um, O'Connor is an awesome glue guy who they have under contract for five years. Mm-hmm. That's a guy who will probably be an Av for the next ten years, in my guess. I I I would be surprised to see him leave anywhere. You know, Logan O'Connor is the only player in NHL history to have won the national championship and Stanley Cup for the same state. Yeah, I didn't know that before yesterday. What a cool what a cool stat yeah, that is. Yeah, I love LOC. I think he's proven once again how valuable he is as a glue guy, but he'll never be a top six guy. I thought there was a chance yeah. for that. I just don't think that's going to be the in the cards for him. But as a bottom six guy, boy, do I love the fact that so, they have him there. So the, the, this pipeline is at least right now at a stage where there's not not a ton of like, really immediate. Right. Sampo Ranta was a guy who started this year with the club, and he played with the Eagles, got injured. He's a, you know, flashed some high skill, but was really deficient in, in a lot of areas. And so maybe they give him a shot at the beginning of next year. Um, you know, there's a couple guys down there who I think are flirting with it. You know, they got that kid, Luke Foudy, who had a really big run for the Eagles. But I, I just, again, I don't think he's ready. And 
really they're 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 counting on him. Megna's been a great veteran who can bounce back and forth, but I don't think there's any plans to really bring him up. He's in his thirties. Um, you know, I just so don't see a ton. I think you can. You can. Back, yeah. The only guy, the only other one is Bo Byram, who I think deserves the top oh, four yeah. role. Yeah. So yeah. Okay. Well, it uh, it figures to be a very interesting off season, and we'll we'll see how these decisions how they start to work out. We got the draft coming up, but as uh, next week, I, I thought it was funny. Joe was like, "Yeah, you know, we got to get back to work. Uh, you know, we got the draft coming up." Then he kind of paused and stopped himself and said. Yeah, but we don't have a first round pick. So <laughs> right. yeah, maybe we don't have as much to prepare for. <laughs> right. So let's keep partying. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Kind of so I loved it. Uh so we'll see. It should be a fun off season uh as we yeah, as it, it's gonna it's gonna move fast because as you said, it's about a hundred days until Yeah. Well tra- puck drop. For the season or the October twenty second. It's a hundred days for that. So when's the start of training camp? Less than that. Really soon, like eighty-five days, and or think like and and to me, think about how hard that was for Tampa, right? To back oh. to back it, and 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 that's something that we have to keep into in the back of our yes. minds now, because you saw those short off seasons eventually wear down when yeah. they met a team that was really hungry and had talent, and so you know, I, I think the biggest question for me is: Will a team that had so much fire to get there and do it for the first time, are you going to stay hungry? That's my biggest, and, yeah, and they're going to have to prove it's, it. Next it's hard year. to repeat. It is, it is very not hard to easy. Repeat. But one thing I one thing I have I have heard in talking to the guys who've who've played and have won. I, I partner up in the morning with with Stink, and and he has said that winning it all is like a drug, right? Oh, and it's that addicting. once you experience yeah. it, is addictive, and that the idea that once you win, you become complacent. Hey, there are a lot of factors that keep teams from winning at all, but very rarely is it just out-and-out complacency. That a lot of times, once you've experienced it once, you want to go do that again. Right. You know, that feeling is intoxicating. So, uh, we'll see. But, again, it's going to be a fascinating offseason. We'll be here along the way to chronicle it uh, throughout during the Mile High Hockey Podcast. Matt Smith, thank you very much. It's been a fun two-month run. We've had a blast together. Two-month. We've been doing this since September. Well, September, but you and I really got into yeah, it uh, for the true. playoffs. So that that's for sure. Again, thanks to our we can't thank enough our, our sponsor yes. throughout the course of this entire uh podcast season. That is the folks at TNT Home Services. For all your heating, plumbing, cooling, and electrical needs, reach out to my friends Ronnie and Laura, uh the husband and wife co owner team, Ronnie the Air Force veteran, the former firefighter. And uh, you are in great hands for whatever needs you have around your home. Give them a call, 720-500-1979 and at tnthomeservices.co.com. TNT Home Services, we got your six. For Matt Smith, I'm Mike Evans.